Traffic in front, bouncing puck goes wide. Now here's coming out in front with a shot, they score! McLeod comes out from behind the net. And the Leafs were a tired group because of the icing and with 3.05 left to play, the lead not only has evaporated, they are now trailing in the game. Give me all the sad Joe Bowen goal calls. I'll eat them up. It's like a buffet. Empty netter one was pretty good in the intro, too. Pile them on my plate. This one won't have speed to get in the net. Oh, it does. <laughs> like, that goal last night. I just want to – I can you play it again? Because if you were actually in the building, we'll talk to Jason Greger about this because he was. That – building last night in Edmonton was electric. It was loud. Right. Both fan bases were going back and forth. The game was super tight and it was super exciting. And then this is the game deciding goal, essentially. This is how flat the call is. CC with traffic in front. Bouncing puck goes wide. Now here's coming out in front with a shot. They score! McLeod comes out from behind the net. And the Leafs were a tired group because of the icing. And with 3.05 left to play, the lead not only has evaporated, they are now trailing in the game. I was hoping he'd say, the lead has not only evaporated, so has all my hope in this team. <laughs> my dreams have been crushed. You're listening to Joe Bowen. Okay, uh, you are listening to the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Brough of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Jason Greger from Sports 1440 in Edmonton is going to join us in just a second here to kick off Hour 2. Uh, hour 2 of this program is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. It is meticulously brewed eh, for full quality and full taste without compromise. Visit a liquor store near you to pick up a six-pack. Or visit the brewery to see how it's made. It's prime time. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sophie, what are you waiting for? Kintech. Not going to have enough to go, or will it? It does. (laughs) 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 To the phone lines we go. Jason Greger joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Jason. How are you? I'm great, fellas. How are you? Uh, we're good. Thanks for taking the time to do this this morning. We do appreciate it. So uh, I was following along on your Twitter timeline. I was watching the game. Huge win for the Oilers last night. A big two-goal comeback against the Leafs. There were tons of fans of both teams in the building. Oilers extend their franchise best winning streak to 11 games. How was the atmosphere in the building last night? You know what? Uh, my wife's never been to a Toronto game, and obviously because my nephew plays there now. Um, you know, I sit in the crowd. I try to be a fan for one or two games a year. And on the drive home, she's like, it felt like a playoff game. Like, it was loud right from the get-go. And she's never really experienced it before. It's quite funny. Obviously, I've seen you know, Leaf fans. They travel well. Um, sometimes they're annoying for people, but uh, they definitely travel well. And, you know, Montreal, to a, to a pretty close extent, but not the same. And, you know, it was great. I, I think – uh, you know, I, as, I love the NHL. I do think North American fans overall were, were kind of lame if you compare. I've been to Europe, man, and it's a different game. Every game mm-hmm. is just like, this is unreal, right? And, yeah, I know that Canada in the playoffs, we go crazy, but um, I wish we had more regular season games like that. I think the game is better. The players talk about it. They hear the crowd. Like, it's loud. There's just And it's and it's natural. It's not, oh, let's wait till the team tells us to chant on the big screen. Like, nothing bothers me more than that. But, um, so, yeah, it was fun. Like, it was back and forth. You know, the Leafs fans are chanting. Oiler fans try to drown them out. It's back and forth. It was great. It, it really added to the game. I thought it was a great game. Like, that was one of the fastest games I've seen this year. 
Hey, Jason, is it just me, or have the Oilers been a bit streaky this year? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, they, they were awful. They were, um, what, whatever's, like, if you could say they soiled the sheets, they were dung, whatever you want to call it, that's what they were in the 12 games. Like, in their first 12 games, they allowed 50 goals. 50. They've allowed 69 in their last 28. Nice. Uh, they've only allowed 19 in this 11-game uh, winning streak. Like, the orders were bad, but the orders – I, there was a lot of people freaking out. Oh my goodness. And, you know, like I know the organization made the coaching change and it clearly worked, right? Like, you know, we can get into some systemic stuff that they've done as a team that I think has, has really worked and changed. And, and Paul Coffey has come in and really quieted the naysayers in, in his approach to coaching, which I think has, has really resonated with his team. But, you know, the, the players at the end of last season, when they lost, you know, Matias Echo, McDavid, like they all said the same thing and, and it was accurate. Like, we got to be better defensively. Until, until we commit to being better defensively, we're not going to be good. They all came to camp this year. They got in here early. They had, like, the captain skates for three weeks. Okay, we're ready to go. And then, obviously, you know, Vancouver fans saw it firsthand. It was an 8-1. It was an absolute debacle, right, right from the get-go. And um, they, they figured it out. They've turned it around. Now, the Edmonton was a lot of people's, you know, cup contender at the start of the season. Like, I'm not shocked they're back where they are. Um, obviously, I'm probably surprised they've won 19 of uh, 22 games. Like, let's be real. I never <laughs> thought that was going to happen. But um, they're good. And, and the other thing is they're good without having to rely on their power play. Right? They've won 11 straight, and their power play, like, for them, is like 17%. For that team, that's awful, but it's, you know, it's not hurting them. Um, their, their team defense is good. Stuart Skinner's played very well. Uh, they're, they're getting scorned from lots of guys. Like, Ryan McLeod has three-game winners in this 11-game uh, winning streak and so if you start to get some more contributions uh, and the crate like mcdavid's been good guys but he hasn't been mcdavid or he hasn't had to be mcdavid offensively and that's um that's probably a scary thing because you know mcdavid eventually gets going that's just not that he's going bad but um you know he'll he'll eventually have some three and four point games it's inevitable did the oilers do you think with all their you know the cupper bust comment from dry got a lot of public uh, play and um, you know looking back on that now um, do you think the Oilers just got ahead of themselves a little bit like they got out of the process they got out of the day-to-day and they're already looking ahead to the playoffs no I think it was the opposite I think there were two you can't win the cup in October guys it's impossible the only thing you can do in October is lose the cup and they almost came close <laughs> to it because they were two nine and one but, you know, you can start 10-0. and 0. It means jack squat come playoff time, right? Like, you want to build, and then hopefully you're, you're healthy, which is impossible to control, right? So hopefully you're healthy and you play well in the playoffs. Like, you know, at the start of the year, I thought there was eight teams who had a legit chance to, to make, uh, you know, to be a cup run. And I, I think some have dropped out, and I put Vancouver into that category. I, didn't, I don't think anybody had the Canucks at the start of the year as a legit contender. Um, they thought that, I thought that Vancouver was good. I picked them to make the playoffs, but – you know, you, you have to see what they're doing. Um, they have the makings because they got an elite goalie, they got an elite defenseman, they got some elite forwards. So, you know, that, that's, that's what you want, right? Now they got to fill out, and then they, then they got to play well in the playoffs. We saw Boston. We've seen lots of good teams who don't play well when it matters. So, you know, that's what's great about the playoffs. But I, I don't think Edmonton got ahead of themselves. If, if anything, guys, I think they, they put too much pressure on it, and they're like, okay, like, we got to be great right from the get-go. And right. you can't. No, no one can, like, I know Boston just did what they did in the regular season. It was mind-blowing to win 66 games. Like, are you kidding me? But 
Then look what happened in the playoffs, right? Now, they also they all, their coach also went away from everything they did in the regular season and said, hey, our goalies haven't played two games in a row since the middle of November. But come playoff time, now we're going to run a guy six in a row. Like, what? What are you doing? So um, they, they basically beat themselves. Um, what has changed since the coaching change? Well, the, a few things. The, the number one thing, I think, is Paul Coffey has really – empowered his defenseman like he basically said hey guys we're here to make plays i want our defensive making plays like vincent deharnay is a third pair you know right defenseman and he's like Vinny, you got to move the puck i don't want just cross center and dump it in we're done with that and if you look at the order's possession game it is complete 180 in their own zone in the neutral zone they don't just i i see teams do what i call wasted dumps i'm like what are you doing you're dumping it in you got one guy going you might as well just say here's the puck right like it's 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 kind of archaic in, in today's game. And, and, and I thought the orders defenseman at times would just, they'd get the puck. Oh, let's just get it out of the zone because we're not going to get scored on, but it just gives a chance a team to regroup, right? And regroups now in the NHL for the skill teams, like they can crush you on regroups. We see it all the time. So I think coffee is the biggest one. He really instilled confidence and belief. Like he would go in video and he would just show the guys of plays of them making plays which sounds really simple, but when you think of human psychology, I don't know any person, like if all of a sudden they give you guys your highlight reel tape, hey, here's your best clips of the last week, and here's like, damn, our show's pretty good, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and that's, it works, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I coach young kids. I don't tell them what they do wrong. When they do a play right, I tell them that they're the greatest player ever, and they believe it because they're, you know, they're young, and they don't, they don't, they're not adults who are beaten down and think we suck. Then so. they get a huge ego, though. I coach kids, yeah. too, and, and yeah. like, Great. they'll make two plays, and they'll be like, am I better than you now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's well, awesome. Well, it's close. Uh, and um, so coffee's one. The other thing is Chris Knobloch, um, he changed their penalty kill because the one thing under Woodcroft, as good as the order's record was, their penalty kill was never really good. And they gave up too many goals. And so he basically has gone with six forwards, and that's it. And he came, Now, obviously they've been healthy, so, so that helps. But, you know, McDavid, who scored lots of shorthanded goals last year, and Settle, they're not on the penalty kill because guess what? You can't play them all the damn time, right? You need – if you want your third and fourth line guys to contribute – you can't ask him to play nine minutes a night and then contribute and be like, geez, these guys aren't in the game. Well, shocking. So, like, I never understood why Warren Fogle, guys, wasn't on the penalty kill. He came from Carolina where he was their second highest used penalty killer, and they were a top five penalty killing team three years in a row. And he came to Edmonton, and they wouldn't play him on the penalty kill. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? So guess who's on one of their penalty kill units? Fogle. And he's with McLeod. And then, like, Connor Brown, the only thing he can do is kill a penalty, guys, because he can't score to save his life. But at least he can kill a penalty. So those, to me, have been the two biggest changes, is that really a focus on confidence defensively. Um, the buy-in, I think the back pressure is better. And, and he's given more defined roles. Like, even when they take double minors, he doesn't, oh, God, i got to get McDavid out. Guess what? McDavid will sit on the bench for four minutes. And what, what the other thing Knobloch does is the minute the orders get down in a game, he doesn't load up dry, subtle, and McDavid. Mm. Right? What he does is he plays them together on the first shift out of the penalty kill because his six penalty killers come across different lines. So then he comes out of the penalty kill when Nugent Hopkins is one of them. So he puts McDavid, dry, subtle, and Hyman, McDavid, dry, subtle, and Kane. It's the first shift right out of the penalty kill, and that gets you the momentum back. It seems really simple, but it's a smart move. We're speaking to Jason Greger from Sports 1440 in Edmonton here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Um, We tried to reach out to book Jay Woodcroft on this show a little while ago. He politely declined. Uh, Jason, are you aware of uh, Woodcroft doing any media or speaking to anyone since his dismissal? 
No, I talked to Jay, and uh, that, that's not a big surprise to me. I, I think Jay was, and, and rightfully so, I think he was devastated by the news, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, that they had a really good record leading up to it, and then, you know, they make the change, and so that's hard. Um, and, and Jay's not one. Well, he doesn't love the, the spotlight, so... Yeah. You know, I think I think he'll resurface, um, but no, he hasn't. Um, he hasn't spoke to, to anyone off on the record anyway. Um, you know, I had a brief conversation with him, um, you know, many months ago, and but like his name's out there. Like you look at teams in the off season when the changes will be made. Jay Woodcroft has got a lot of coaching experience, not only as a head coach but was an assistant uh, before that. And, and like any head coach, like you're going to learn some things about how you approach it your first time through, right? Like. Rookie players, and it happens all the time in the playoffs. Like, you know, people in Edmonton were free. Oh, geez, Stuart Skinner. They can't win with Stuart Skinner. And I'm like, why? Because he didn't have his first good playoff stretch? Okay, well, I guess Connor McDavid isn't. Go look at Connor McDavid's first year in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Go, go look at Pavel Datsuk's first three years in the playoffs. We can go down a lot of really good guys who the first time in the postseason, it is, doesn't go as well. And, heck, guys six years in the league can have a bad 10-game stretch, right? So, um, I think Woodcroft will be a highly sought after guy uh, in the off season when, when teams like Ottawa is looking at, I'm sure that they'll do their due diligence and, you know, there'll be a few other teams, you know, maybe Buffalo, if uh, this season's kind of gone in the ditch for them. So I think he'll be back in the NHL and, you know, he, he's, he's kind of in a position like if I was Jay Woodcroft, I, I wouldn't just go to like, you know, the worst team in the league. Right. I, I think he has enough of a resume now to be like, you know what? Let's go where I have a better chance to have success. Uh, Jason, thanks a lot for doing this this morning. We really appreciate it. Great insight into the Oilers as this role continues. Uh, enjoy it for however long it continues, and let's do this again later on in the season. Yeah, anytime, guys. The only negative about I wish the Oilers and the Canucks were playing. Like They played the start of the year and the Oilers sucked and the Canucks pounded them. It would be a great game to see those two teams uh, head-to-head and that uh, – you know, it looks like Edmonton, like right now, Edmonton's, you know, I don't think they can catch Vancouver. Like they'd have to go on, like this run would basically have to repeat itself. Um, but uh, LA's right in their sights. They're, mm-hmm. they're ahead of them in points percentage. Uh, Vegas is banged up, but, you know, they're, they're, they're what, six back, but they got four games at hand. Like Edmonton and Vancouver could finish first, second, and uh, could be a, a second round matchup, which would be great. Can you imagine? Oh, it'd be awesome. Jason, I think they got one more regular season meeting in April. Yeah, um, one, yeah. Okay. Nice. Have a great day, buddy. You too, fellas. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason Greger from Sports 1440 in Edmonton here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. So I was thinking about um, a few things that Jason was talking about and how, you know, the Oilers have been to the playoffs a few times in the last few years and, you know, Stuart Skinner maybe had a rough time in them and doesn't mean that he's always going to be a terrible playoff goalie. You learn lessons in the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully the Canucks just – Hopefully this season is just like such an anomaly season that we see the Canucks do something that we've never seen before and they go on to win the Stanley Cup and everyone's like, what the hell just happened? But, you know, typically what happens on the growth of a team is, while it's not always linear, it does show progression, right? Mm -hmm. And you're not a playoff team and then you are a playoff team, but you make the playoffs and you're like, oh, this is a different game here. We had to learn some lessons either through, you know, whatever happens, right? Which I think is um, worth noting because one of the challenges I think for this management group, and this isn't just me saying it, this is what Patrick Alvin was talking about with IMAC in that transcript um, interview that you can read at sportsnet.ca. He said, listen, like we do have some free agents and 
We're going to try and keep them. Um, You know, the big RFAs are obviously Pedersen and Hironic. And if Pedersen doesn't want to stay, everything changes. But let's assume that he does. Let's assume that they get Pedersen signed and Hironic signed. Um, But they have to make a decision. Okay, we can't keep Dakota Joshua. Some player like that. Let's say they really like Bluger, so maybe they they find some cap space for him and they give him some term or whatever. Okay. But they're missing some guys that were contributors this year. Maybe they have to trade a Connor Garland, who's been the heartbeat and driving that third line. How do they then remain competitive and up their game even more so it's not just a one-and-done season and you can go back next season and be like, hey, we're going to get back to the playoffs and we've learned some lessons. Mm-hmm. And so the answer is the young players. Or that is, the young players, or they go out and find more bargains. Yeah, I was going to say, you rely on your pro scouting department that knocked the Bluger signing and the Cole signing and the Suter signing out of the park. Yeah. The pro scouting over this last year, I mean, I don't think it gets enough credit from us lowly media. I think it does. I think we've said a lot about it. I, I think, think we've it, said but, a lot but, about it. But when we pose the questions of the future, mm-hmm. I don't like, here's the thing. You pay your stars. It's across all sports. It's the same way. Like, yeah, you'd love to keep Dakota Joshua, but you pay and you prioritize the Pedersons and the Heronics of the world because no disrespect to Dakota Joshua, but you pay people to find the next Dakota Joshua. It's a lot harder to find the next Elias Pettersson or Philip Moronic. You also pay them to develop them, right? And the Canucks, yes, you do. But the Canucks haven't had to dip into the AHL this season because they've been healthy, and hopefully that continues. Um, th- they haven't had to. No, right? they you let these guys matriculate, but, but marinate do, but, down in the minors. But, Halford, you cannot just rely on pro scouting to fill out your roster every year. They need to develop some guys down there sure and so they have guys that are in the organization and they also represent you know cheap labor that you can bring up so um so so my question is really right now like where is pod colson where 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 is his game right now for example if they can't afford to keep dakota joshua could pod colson fill that dakota joshua role if they can't afford to keep um Lafferty or, or Bluger or whatever, whatever, you know, and they need a center. Where's Atu Ratu's game? And I think these are all very important questions to ask because, um, you know, as you go forward, you want the Canucks not only to make the playoffs this season, you just want them to be one of those perennial playoff teams. Right. Well, I think. And we know that you can't just get in with um, just a core of players, right? I... Like you have to have everyone contributing and one of the big reasons that the Canucks have been so successful this year is their depth like I don't think that it's an either or proposition here I think the good teams in this league are able to fill uh, spots at the NHL level which you're going to have to do year over year because turnover is inevitable and there's a combination of uh, can we develop and promote players from within and if we can't do we have the flexibility and the ability to go out and identify talent that can get plugged in right away. Because, look, I'm sure they would have loved to have had uh, Cole McWard and Nikito Hirose and Arshdeep Baines and Vasily Colson playing at the NHL level this year. Mm-hmm. But like those old Justin Trudeau ads, they just weren't ready. And right. it was painfully obvious. 
these guys are all doing well in the American League. Archdeep Baines just made the American Hockey League All-Star game. There is a good example of pro development allowing guys to play extended minutes in the American League. I mean, we're the same guys that chastised this organization in years past for rushing young players who hadn't earned those minutes in the National Hockey League. And now you're seeing them not being pushed. And I think that's a good thing. Collectively, you got to have both. You can't have great development but not have good pro scouting. And you can't have good pro scouting with lousy American Hockey League development. The Pittsburgh model, which was, you know, stockpile guys in Wilkes-Barre, have them play a certain style, have them learn the game a certain way, and then when they're ready to come to the NHL, they can contribute. The Pittsburgh model worked. It was in years past, it was the Detroit model. How many guys played 250 games in Grand Rapids before they were allowed to go up and play? Yeah, and the core was the strength of the team, but you always needed to have those guys to step in and replace the guys who the core kind of carried into having really good years. Do you know what I mean? Darren Helm was the old Justin Ablocator. Justin Ablocator was the new (laughs) Darren Helm. I don't even know how it worked. That's kind of how it worked. I want to read just the excerpt because it's it's a good interview that IMAC did with Alvin. Um, And IMAC started talking with Alvin. He said, will you try to resign some of these potential UFAs before the end of the season? And he said, we have kind of a pecking order. We've got to figure out how much money we have left, too, Petey. I anticipate there's going to be some changes starting next year. But I would also anticipate some of those changes would be internally with some of the younger players coming in and taking a step. IMAC, obvious follow-up. Who are some of the young players you're thinking about? And Alvin says, you have Vasily Podkolzin, Archdeef Baines, Aturato, Linus Carlson, Cole McWard, Arthur Silovs. That's interesting, in case they can't re-sign Casey DeSmith, who's a pending UFA. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have a handful of guys in Abbotsford. On top of that, you got Lecker Mackey and DPD coming in from Sweden. Uh, he didn't say DPD, he said Elias Pettersson. Yes. Uh, and maybe they are a year or two away from really competing for a roster spot. So, again, um, my whole point is that it is awesome what's going on with this Canucks team right now, but they do have a lot of free agents and there's going to be some change heading into next year. And chances are they're going to get into the playoffs this year and hopefully they go on a run, but maybe they run into like, oh, this is where our lack of postseason experience among the core, among the leadership group, even among the coaching staff um, in terms of coaching, maybe that's where we get tripped up or maybe we just lose a series, right? And there's going to be some good teams that they play. How can we go into next season and up our game even more? So this isn't the season where it was like, well, that was a heck of a season, but you know, now we're taking a step back because we don't have the depth anymore. Uh, so coming up on the Halford and Bruff show on sports net we're going to talk to Jonathan Davis from uh Sirius XM satellite radio NHL network. So if you look at the NHL standings right now, the Pacific Division has four of the top 13 teams in hockey. It's the Edmonton Oilers, it's the Los Angeles Kings, it's the Vegas Golden Knights, and it's the Vancouver Canucks. It's one of the most competitive divisions in hockey, so we've already looked at Edmonton. We're going to take a look at the Los Angeles Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights next, coming up with our West Coast correspondent, Jonathan Davis. It's a big hockey show. We're going around the league. We're going down to California next. It's all coming up on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7.31 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I mentioned I got the RDX from Delari. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the car, uh, they make it real simple, too, to get to the snow setting, yeah. uh, the in- integrated dynamic system. You just turn the uh, knob to the left or right, but it's got this really cool graphic mm-hmm. when it when it goes on, and it's like there's snow shooting in the background, so it really gives you a sense that you're engaging in something cool. It's actually it was a really like I, there were cars all over the place this morning. Yeah, you were just cruising past. Them? I was just zip. Well, I wasn't zipping. I was, <laughs> I was, I was doing like responsibly. I was cautiously. <laughs> cautiously I was obeying zipping. the laws of the road. That's right. I was being a safe motorist. Hopefully, all of you are safe out there. Uh, Jonathan Davis. From Sirius XM NHL Radio is going to join us in just a moment here. I do have to tell you that we are in Hour 2 of this program, and Hour 2 is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, Primetime Craft Beer is full flavor without compromise. You can find it at a liquor store near you, or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made. I mentioned we're we're doing the whip around this morning, checking in on as many teams as we can in the three hours that we have allotted to us. Uh, Let's go. Down to California now. He's uh, the host of Ice Cap on Sirius XM NHL Radio. Jonathan Davis joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, it's funny. Our RDX uh, cars have a beach setting. Yes, right. how that works in California. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you just turn the knob over, and there's a dude with the surfboard <laughs> in the background and the graphic. It's all very nice. It's cold up here. It's yeah. not great. Um, <laughs> speaking of cold. Jonathan, the uh, Los Angeles Kings. Let's start right there. So on Monday night, they snap an eight-game losing streak. They beat Carolina. Like, okay, maybe things are back on track. Then Tuesday night happens, and it's back to the losing, a 5-1 loss to Dallas. What's been wrong with the Kings lately? Well, I mean, look, the the, the big issue with this team, guys, is the, the sum of the parts is greater than any one individual. I mean, look, Anze Kopitar is having a really good year. But he's not, you know, he, he's not, no longer a point-a-game player. He's their leading scorer, and that puts him somewhere in the mid-40s, you know, in the NHL scoring race. So, you know, when they play uh, to Todd McClellan's system, they're, they're a really good team. But there's very little margin for error with this team, and that's what we're seeing. I mean, they played at such a feverish pace, kind of reminiscent of what Vegas did in their first year, early on in the season, but we're not seeing that right now. And, you know, you've got guys like Trevor Moore, who's having, you know, 20 goals, but he's got maybe what, 30 points this year. It's, it's a good team, but it's not a great team. And, you know, we highlighted earlier on the last time I was on, like, you know, we talked about the the shortcomings of Pierre-Luc Dubois this year and, you know, they really haven't been much better. And so, yeah, if, if everybody's playing at peak level, they're 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 good. If they're not, well, we're, we're seeing what we're seeing. And last night, I, I think guys was mo- really a scheduled loss. I mean, it was back to back. It was three and four. They they had a chance last night. I thought you know in the second period, you know, I had a buddy of mine call me and say, man, you know, I bet Dallas, but I think I may hedge with LA and, and play them at a goal and a half. I really like the way they're playing, but. They just, you know, that was their chance to get back in the game, and they, and they ultimately they couldn't, and they just looked tired in the third period last night. Um, give us another Pierre-Luc Dubois update. How is he playing, and how is this Kings team feeling about 
the fact that they've already made a massive financial commitment to him. Well, I'm sure they're not feeling very good. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, last night during the third period, and I found this really odd, uh, the Kings sent out an email to the media saying that Rob Blake will be available Thursday afternoon to talk about the first half of the season. Guys, I maybe it's just the conspiracy uh, theorist in, in me. I wonder if it's something more, to be honest with you. I, you know, you just, you know, it's nine of 10 losses hmm. and you're not really seeing anything that, that encourages you. And you're not seeing anything with the guy that they're, they're shelling out eight and a half million to. Um, they don't have any room to make any type of significant deal. So I don't think they're feeling really good. And I'm very interested to see what, you know, what is taking place on Thursday. If it truly is, you know, um, a report card after the, the midway point of the season. Well, okay. I, I just wonder, you know, could they make a coaching change? Cause it, it wouldn't necessarily shock me. And uh, you know, I, I, we'll see where it goes, but to answer your, your, your the main part of the question, I don't think they're very encouraging. He played the fourth line on part of this road trip. Uh, it's interesting. You mentioned that. Cause I, I saw that the um, press conference was scheduled, and I, under, I, I just kind of looked at it, and I didn't necessarily blink. I'm thinking, okay, just kind of run-of-the-mill stuff midway point of the season. But I guess now that I think about it, the timing is rather interesting considering uh, how the losses are piling up and how high expectations were. I do wonder if it could be a shot across the bow from the GM or something like that. I also wonder if he's going to need to address the situation in goal where it's now Cam Talbot and David Riddick moving forward. How comfortable is Blake uh, with going with that duo for the foreseeable future? Well, I, I don't think very comfortable. I mean, I, I think, you know, my understanding, you know, has been for the last little while is that, you know, he was going to try to do something to beef up the goaltending in and around the deadline. I don't think that, that the goaltending, like I thought David Riddick played really well in Carolina. And I think Cam Talbot has played, you know, even during the losses on this road trip, I don't think he's played poorly. He hasn't obviously stolen a them games but i mean look at the end of the day this is a guy that you you know you you're paying what a million dollars a year to you haven't committed to beyond this year yeah he would like to pick up another goalie um but you know it's not like i feel like last year i felt throughout most of the year guys that goaltending was hurting them i don't think goaltending is hurting them there's just not enough here again you know your leading scorer is not even at a point of game right now and he's 40 40 fifth in the league in scoring I it's it's really collective and I I, you know the other thing is you know Drew Doughty is having a good year a good year but he's you know when he's playing you know again up there as one of the minutes leaders maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to to pull back on Drew like and and maybe it wouldn't be a maybe it would be a good idea to try to find some ways to do things a little differently I know three on three isn't something that obviously comes in come playoff time but the Kings only have two wins in 10 games in, in overtime this year. Like a guy like Quinton Byfield, someone who doesn't get a lot of overtime play, and man, he's a hard for, he's a hard guy to stop with his size and speed. Like I just think that sometimes this Kings team gets a little stubborn in their ways. Um, is there urgency in L.A. to go on a deep run while Kopitar and Doughty are still really good players. Like, I don't, I don't know where you'd rank Kopitar and, and Doughty right now in terms of um, their eliteness, if you want to put it that way. But Kopitar's 36 and Doughty's 34. You know, they're not young guys in the league anymore. 
Well, okay. So is there urgency? Yes, but it's a different type of urgency. We're not talking about playing in, you know, in Vancouver or, or, or you know, any Canadian market. Like, the you know, the, the media coverage here is, is not it's, – it's very minimal. So you can get away with, you know, with a lot, and you can get away with losing 9 and 10 and, and not be beaten up. But there is no question the way that Rob Blake has built this team – I mean, it's built to win now. I mean, they've given up on virtually all of their prospects, at least their forward prospects. So the desire, the need to win now, for sure, it, it, that, that's definitely high. Uh, that's high priority. They, they've made, you know, the, the Dubois trade tells you that. The Fiala trade tells you that. The Deneau trade tells you that they're trying to win in, in this window here. Um, but I'm just, you know, the way this, the way, when you look at this team, I just don't see that happening right now. Is there any chance that Rob Blake called this press conference just to like kick some ass? And like, you know, you just mentioned like that the media coverage isn't as intense as it would be in Vancouver or Toronto where you wouldn't really need to go out there and, you know, have some stern words publicly for your players. Is, is it possible that Rob Blake just wants to put his players on notice? It's possible, but, you know, Rob's personality, he's not Jim Rutherford, guys. And, uh, you know, he's not a Brian Burke type person. He's, you know, he, he's, he's a lot easier on the players. And, and, and so, yeah, it, it is possible that he's, he's going to put them on notice. But, you know, look, Todd, Todd McCullen even, you know, somewhat addressed it after, I think, the Detroit game where, you know, basically guys need to just start to hold themselves a little more accountable. He didn't say it as nicely as that, or or, is, or I mean, he was pretty soft about it. I thought, but I, I yeah, it's possible. I, I just wonder if there's something bigger brewing because I'm sure Rob must feel the pressure. I mean, this this is definitely you know they're, they're spiraling out, and and Edmonton, who was once in their rearview mirror, and Calgary, who was once in their rearview mirror, are right behind them, and you know Edmonton and and LA have played the same amount of games, so. Uh, or maybe maybe LA has a game in hand. I'm sorry, Edmonton does have a game in hand. So it's it's precarious territory. And then they've got Nashville coming up on Thursday. Like that's the other thing that's weird about this press conference. They don't usually hold a press conference on a game day, guys, um, because our our game day practices are not as well attended for a variety of reasons as most others are. Um, and then Saturday night, oh, who comes to town? Jonathan Quick and the Rangers. This is. Uh, this is a pretty big a, a big week for for LA here. Let's talk about the Anaheim Ducks because they could be uh, part of this uh, trade deadline. Trevor Zegras, um, what kind of player is this guy? Because you know we all know about his flashiness, uh, et cetera. We know we know he's got a ton of skills, but is he a a complete enough player that? If he were to be traded, he could play on a serious Stanley Cup contender. I think he could. I think that, you know, you know, I think a lot of the reason that they brought in, you know, both Radko Gudis and Alex Kalorn was to help Trevor Zegers be a pro. Uh, you know, this Anna, you know, Anaheim has been starving for scoring for a, a number of years. Uh, you know, when they, you know, Getzlaff, Perry gone, you know, Raquel gone. Silverberg never really took off. Uh, I, I think that they, they, they could use that type of player on this roster. I think moving away from him, I know, you know, he doesn't necessarily fit, or he doesn't fit the Pat Verbeek mold, 
uh, you know, like guys like, you know, maybe a Cutter Goche who's coming in and a Mason McTavish who will definitely be wearing a letter, whether it's an A or a C at some point. Um, but I, I just don't see why you move on from Zegers. They, they, they need that type of player. And I think it's just, like I said, you brought in Kaloran and Gudis to help him be a pro. Let, let's give that a little more time. Uh, he's, he, he, he can put the puck in the net. Let's, let's wait. Uh, you mentioned that the Kings are skidding along right now. So, too, are the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, I think this is a little bit of a different scenario because they have been absolutely decimated by injury right now. At last count, it was Eichel, Theodore, Hill, Carlson, Bjornfot, Carrier, and Hutton are all injured. That's a lot of guys out of the lineup and a lot of regulars that Bruce Cassidy doesn't have. As a result, they're 4-8 and eight in their last 12. But is this just a case of Vegas will figure it out once they get healthy? I believe so. And, and I think, you know, you, you, you know, I, I watched Mark Stone with Scott Oak on the weekend and you kind of got that sense from him. I mean, you know, look, now they're down two centers with, with, with Stone and, and Eichel. They're top two centers, or I'm sorry, Stone with Eichel and Carlson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I felt early on, guys, you know, when you watch them play, they kind of won games just on sheer talent. I mean, it looked like on, on, on a lot of occasions they were going through the motions and, and talking to people in and around the team you know, that, that was definitely a prevailing thought. Uh, they know what it takes. They're, they are, you know, on, on many nights, they, they still have enough talent to, to beat teams. And you saw what, you know, what happened, you know, Monday afternoon against Nashville and Mark Stone took over. I mean, Jonathan Marchessault has said, look, I need to be better. I've got to start, you know, I, I've got to help, help this team more. I've got to be able to put the puck in the net. And so I like to hear, you know, those are the things that I'd like to hear. And I'd like to hear more comments from, you know, what Marchessault said in Vegas, I'd like to hear those same things in L.A. just to bring it back to L.A. for a second. Sure. But, yeah, I, I'm not concerned about what's going on in Vegas. If, if this was a healthy roster and, it, and they were still having these issues, then, then, then it's a cause for concern. But right now, no. Uh, Jonathan, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the next few days. It's going to be pretty interesting with the Blake Presser and then Jonathan Quick's return. Let's do this again soon. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. Have a great morning. Yeah, you too. Thanks. That's Jonathan Davis from Sirius XM NHL Radio here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I'm just looking at the standings right now, and you see the Canucks with 62 points, seven points up on Vegas, and they would have the tiebreaker too because they got more regulation wins and 27 regulation wins compared to 18 for Vegas. Yeah. Um, And then there's the Kings, who do have three games in hand, but only 50 points, so the Canucks are... 12 up on them. Take that, Los Angeles. 13 up on the Edmonton Oilers, who have four games at hand on the Canucks. But it is a, um, dare I say, fairly comfortable cushion for the Vancouver Canucks for first place in the division. And I think it has a lot of Canucks fans wondering about how this is all going to finish, how it's all going to play out uh, down the stretch, assuming you know there's no big collapse by the Canucks. And it certainly doesn't look like there's one coming. Um, and uh, don't say jinx and, and you know what I'm hoping at this point now, honestly, I hope the Canucks win the division. Obviously uh-huh. I hope Edmonton finishes second. Well, I don't, I don't want any part of Edmonton in a wild card matchup. What's the big difference right now between how the Canucks season has gone and then the golden Knights, the Kings and the Oilers seasons. The answer is all those teams have had a sustained period of losing and the Canucks haven't mm-hmm. Canucks longest losing streak this season has been. Two games. Is there's there a, is also not a difference in health when you compare it to a team like Vegas? 
Um, Vegas. Well, yeah, there is. I mean, well, Vegas, Vegas has been badly Vegas is, banged okay, up. Vegas, we can classify each one. Vegas was, has been decimated by injuries this mm-hmm. year. So the fact that they have 55 points is actually probably um, a positive, like something that you should accentuate. At the same time, they did the majority of their point accumulation early in the season. They've been a 500 hockey team really since the middle of December. Los Angeles hasn't really dealt with the health issues. Like, all due respect to Phoenix Copley tearing his ACL, that's not something that you would consider a massive gutting injury for the team. Like, you can compensate over that. Edmonton, health-wise, I mean, you can say that McDavid wasn't healthy at the beginning of the year, but he only missed a handful of games. I mean, he played through whatever he was playing through. Edmonton's biggest issue, and I think – Jason Greger really hit on it is that they came out and were dysfunctional to start the year. They weren't playing defense properly. Whatever changes Jay Woodcroft tried to make weren't making. And then they, I think they panicked. I think they panicked. Yeah. Now, none of the, none of those aforementioned scenarios have applied to the Vancouver Canucks this year. There was a wobble where they were essentially playing 500 hockey for the better part of what? Two, two and a half weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's really been it. And if you can, if the worst part of your season is a two and a half, three week stretch where you play 500 hockey, you have champagne problems as an <laughs> NHL team. Like you are in good shape. And that's why the Canucks, with their 27 regulation wins and their 62 points and their seven point bulge, yes, bulge atop the division, mm. are loving life right now. It's why they have five players and a coach going to the All Star game. If there's Everything one, has been good. If there's one team you want to avoid in the first round of the playoffs, it is because the Edmonton Oilers. It's the Edmonton Oilers for you? Yeah. What about Laddie? One team you want to avoid in the first round of the playoffs for the Canucks in terms of standings. So Oilers? Maybe the Kraken. <laughs> Honestly, with the way they're rolling. I'm a big Joey Decord guy. You know that. I would take the Kraken. I, there's no way you want to play Edmonton in a seven-game series. If the Oilers were that bad this early in the season, though, can they not go back to that at some point? Well, I mean, the Canucks did basically beat the crap out of them, right? Three games, three mm-hmm. wins. Boom. Took care of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would be. That was a different team, man. Different I would, Oilers team. I would be terrified. I'd way rather play the Kraken than the Oilers. Totally. Way rather. Totally. I would be terrified yeah. of having to deal with McDavid and Drysaddle for seven games, knowing you have mm-hmm. to win four. Careful what you wish for. No, no, no. Totally. I gotta say. Uh, agreed. Yeah, for sure. But the, the obvious answer, the team I'd like to face the most is Nashville, who is currently holding the second and final lot. <laughs> I will take Nashville. Or, Ve- or Vegas if they're still hurt. But the problem with Vegas is like you can just see them. You know, I want no part of Vegas when they're healthy. Either. Oh, if they're healthy, they're just they're just such a force, and the Canucks have had so many problems with them uh, ever since Vegas has been in the league, pretty much. Yeah, I like I don't want to see Stone over the course of seven games. Well, you, you keep pulling out like these big superstar names and stuff, but for me, it's less about who has the most superstars; it's who's playing the best as a team. When the playoffs come, see, yeah, that's but the who differentiator can often be the superstar. Not in the playoffs, though, like look at the last few years. Like, I don't think did the, did the one superstar truly rise. Like, what has McDavid done in the playoffs? He's the best player in the world. Well, he's single. He's single. He's single ways to beat them in the playoffs. He almost single-handedly beat the Kings one year, um, but he didn't. Yeah, well, he, but yeah, he did because they've beaten the Kings two. years I think in we row. all okay. We also need to kind of um, address. I know we're talking about the first round, and we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But we also have to point out that um, after the Canucks, the two best teams in the conference are Winnipeg and Colorado. Right? I mean, they're right there in terms of points with the Canucks. I know. Don't get too far ahead. Just oh, we're, at the worry first about that later. Worry about the conference finals. All later. I'm saying is the the Western Conference. We've talked about this a bunch at the high end. 
there are some really good teams. Mm-hmm. Like when you say that you don't see an elite team in the East, I see maybe three of them in the West. And you have to, you have to consider the Winnipeg Jets an elite team right now. They have earned that designation. I see me. I see more than that. If these teams are fully healthy, I think you can say Winnipeg, Colorado, and even Dallas. Winnipeg is an elite defensive team. Yeah. It's it's really hard to get a third goal against the Winnipeg Jets right now. They've only given up 99 goals this season compared to Colorado in second place in that division, 141. Right. Colorado's been remarkable. leaky. Remarkable. But Colorado also has scored 170. Right. And they can fill up. I mean, they put seven up against uh, Ottawa last night. It didn't look like it was that hard. Is that to the do. definition of outscoring your problems? Yes. The Colorado Avalanche. That's what they do. Well, that's what you do against Ottawa, though. Yes. Right? So it's funny. The last time they played Score Ottawa. a lot of goals. Well, the last time they played Ottawa before last night, they scored four unanswered goals to rally and win. And then last night, Ottawa was like, we can't let that happen again. And then they let in five unanswered goals. They started bad Sogard, and the Jacques Martin quote before the game was, I don't I didn't like Corpusalo's career numbers against yeah. them, which was like eight fifty eight save percentage. So he puts in Mad Sogard, he <laughs> promptly number. puts out Come an eight eighteen save percentage. Just to and... make sure that his career numbers yeah. will also stink <laughs> yeah. against the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. Okay. Career numbers is just a terrible it was idea. Like six games play. or something, ridiculous sample size. But yeah. who's the guy that always kills the Canucks? Is it Mackenzie Blackwood? No, is it? Yeah, yes, it there, is. there are these weird anomalies. It's like that guy. Less so on his new team, though. Yeah, that's surprising. Have you guys, have you guys started thinking what Rogers Arena is going to be like in the playoffs? I have. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Like the the first return from a long absence from the playoffs, and remember the bubble. They went to the playoffs. There's no fans though. Doesn't count. the last the last playoff game in Rogers Arena was in 2015 against the Flames and. The building was the building was good. I remember the building was good because there was a bit of a return to the playoffs. They sure, you know, there was the torts year where they missed, and they first year Willie they come back and they make the playoffs. So there was some enthusiasm, but there was still this feeling like this is not the 2011 Canucks anymore, and this is not the same expectations. And it just was it was fun, but it wasn't what it's going to be like this year. Buddy, I've already started thinking to be so loud and you know the the flag the, the the towels will be back and it is it's going to be an absolute spectacle what have you already started to think about buddy uh the best places to do our watch parties which is going to have the best atmosphere forget rogers arena i'm already thinking mm. i'm galaxy braining this thing i'm like what's going to be the best place to go where we can hang out and we can do a halford and bruff watch party which we have never done yeah for the playoffs never done it Right. I'm very excited. Yeah, during the bubble, it, like there weren't a lot of watch parties during no. the pandemic. <laughs> we did one on Zoom. It was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, listen up. We're in final hour of the show. We have n- nowhere near the amount of submissions that we need for all the awesome prizes that we have available. So the first one is a prize package for the big football game. That big football game is being played on Sunday. February 11th. Let me get this clear. They use a giant football when it's they're playing? There's a huge football. There's a huge football game. Sounds it's hard just, to throw. It's just big. We are giving away uh, a reserve table for you and five friends and a $100 gift card to the Clayton Public House for the big football game. If you want to win that, send it what we learned. Put a football emoji into your text. 650-650 is the text line. We also have a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and the Chicago Blackhawks play on January 22nd. Taylor Radish night. Taylor Radish night. You can dress up as a oversized radish if you want <laughs> to celebrate or not. If you want to go, 
Uh, we're giving away a pair of tickets. Canucks, Blackhawks, January 22nd, Rogers Arena. Put a ticket emoji into your What We Learned to be entered into the contest for those tickets. We will announce these at the end of the show. We have one hour left. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.